Ready. Okay, but if you're gonna do that, mute yourself. <laughs> I just hear jiggle, 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 jiggle. <laughs> Fan jiggles and folds. Whoa! What a joke. Welcome to Queer House. Tuesday time. dad jokes. <laughs> no, let's just content. Let's right just there. use that. Yeah. My name is Becca. I use she they pronouns, and I'm here with dad joke extraordinaire Kelsey. Oh, that's me. I even have a have a t-shirt that had like has like a dad joke book or something on it. Anyways, I should wear it someday. I'm pretty sure our boss donated it here, actually. <laughs> and I took it because I was like, I need this dad joke t-shirt because I love dad jokes. It seems like something he would have and that you would then steal immediately. I am a dad. I'm a dad really with, no, with no children. Yeah. Well, our kids call you Gunkle, which is short, short for gay uncle. Gunkle. Um, that's caught on in a way that I didn't expect. And I love it. Right? <laughs> I love it so much. It makes me very happy. Oh. Yeah. So we are fighting the heat to bring you another episode. This time we are not talking about ghosts, but we are going to be talking about two um, queer people of history. I mean, if you think about it, maybe they are ghosts right now. That's true. That's true. I mean, mine's dead. I don't know if yours is. Oh, mine's dead, but she definitely seems the type. What if we picked the same person? Who'd you pick? Lucy Hicks Anderson. Okay, no, we're good. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go first since you said who yours is? Or uh, Sure, I will. Yeah, I like going first because I don't, I'm not as well articulated as you, um, which is why I don't run the podcast. <laughs> I'm just here for comedic relief. Um, but yeah, so like mine, I'm sure won't take a lot of time because I just kind of ramble until That's I don't fair. have anything else to say, you know? So yeah. Anyway, I have a page and a half biography that I wrote. Oh, that's friggin' wonderful. <laughs> I do not. Wow. Until I haven't got my hair cut in five years. Um, okay. So I picked Lucy Hicks Anderson. Um, and she is a trans person of color. And excuse me while I read my notes off of the screen. Um, so she was born in 1886, actually. And what's really interesting about her is that she was born male, like biologically male. Um, and she was super into like wearing dresses and like kind of living life as a girl from a really, really young age. So the parents were like, her parents went to the doctor and were like, oh my God, what do we do? Like, this seems super, super weird. And the doctor was like, if this is what she wants, like, if she wants to live her life as a girl, let her live her life as a girl. So like, yeah. And this was in like the 1800s, right? So like everything was fine. They raised that her as their daughter. Um so in the 1920s, she married, actually, I'm pretty sure it was in 1920, she married a man um, and she became a world renowned like hostess and chef and like was like this big, super famous person. Um, she started a boarding house and a bordello. What the heck is a bordello? Do you know? I think it's like <gasps> a body house to use the of the okay, time. I listen. don't know for sure. Please don't quote me on that. It thrills me that finally I've caught you on something that you don't know. This is like 
a queer, it took how many 20 something episodes and finally you don't know the answer no i was right it's wow. a house of sex work <laughs> that's really unfortunate um anyways uh, so i mean it's great that that's what she did but it's unfortunate that i didn't actually get you on something wrong anyways so she had this like yeah she had this boarding house and bordello and it was at one point in time it was believed to be the source of an sti outbreak so they insisted the authorities were like we're gonna test absolutely everybody um so because when that happened they discovered that she was born male um and then that's when her and her second husband were accused of were charged with perjury because it was illegal for two men to marry um so she would be like lying to the cops yeah right yeah so the interesting thing is that she's kind of known as like the first trans person to fight for like trans rights in court Mm. um and in court she flat out said and i'm gonna read this as a quote because like this is just like I love this. She says, I defy any doctor in the world to prove that I'm not a woman. I've lived, dressed, acted just like what I am, a woman. And like, she was very adamant. She was like, take me to the doctor. Like, I will prove to you that I am a woman, that I've lived my life as a woman, that this is who I am. Um, Obviously that did not, you know, in the 1800s, person of color, Mm -hmm. trans person of color. um, It didn't go well. So they lost. (laughs) Um, she did serve, they both did serve sentences okay. for this, like in prison, they served two different sentences. Um, the, and then they marry, they, afterwards they settled in Los Angeles and then they lived as a married couple illegally, but so they were, they lived as the married couple that they were like, this was after they got out of prison, the, her and her second husband lived, um, yeah, as the married couple that they wanted mm-hmm. to be, but legally weren't actually until she died in 1954. And she's just kind of like this super interesting person. Yeah. Tell, tell me. You're, I can tell you're chomping at the bit to tell me something. No, tell no, me. it's cool. I mean, so where was that before they moved to LA? Let me just fact check because I would hate to tell you the wrong thing. Uh and I'm assuming that she was put in like a men's prison yeah. just based on everything. I think in California. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So the thing about the twenties, like race wise and like mine also takes place, like her kind of height is in the twenties um, is that in the arts, um, black people could actually make quite a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like they were still, you know, quite often serving as like, um, you know, porters or whatever in hotels, like very, um, not like servant, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were certain kind of lanes where they could get in and really like make a lot of money, become really famous, become really accepted. Um, at least in certain parts, not so much in the U S um well and that's kind of the interesting thing is she was one of these like famous chefs she was like a mm -hmm. hostess and she had like made such a big name for herself and nobody 
was any the wiser, which I hate saying it that way, but also like, it's kind of like you think of the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody had a clue until they were like, we think, we think that your bordella um, is a, is where this STI breakout is happening. Like, I mean, it's usually they, they picked anywhere else. <laughs> but it's like, they could have picked any other bordella, right? And yeah. it's like, there's, I couldn't find anything that said, like, if they actually found out that that's where the STI outbreak happened, right? Like, so like, who knows? See, like, that's, oh, it's just so wild. It's so interesting because like, early, like late 1800s, she was taken to a doctor. So that's like Victorian yeah. era. Like just to kind of put that in people's minds, like that's when you see women walking with like the bustles on the back of their dress and like everybody's got tuberculosis. Like, And that's what she's wearing in pictures. Yeah. And like she was taken to a doctor and her parents were like, oh dear God, what do I do? My kid is dressing like a girl, but was born a boy. Oh my God. And the doctor was like, let her live. <laughs> well done. Props to that doctor. That's gender affirming healthcare right there. Like when you look at historical trans people, you do find a couple of really amazing doctors. Like I can't remember his name, but there was um, one in, I think, Germany who performed some of the first like um, top and bottom surgeries mm-hmm. or bottom surgeries, especially. Um, granted, that was, you know, in the 30s and 40s in Germany. So he didn't have a great time of it afterwards. <laughs> But that was not like, that was a nervous laughter. No. Not a, that was funny laughter. It was a, well. yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's an, I don't know how to react to that. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so mine is also a woman of color kind of hanging out in the twenties. Um, and she was born in the States, but she spends most of her time in France mm. Uh, so she was born Frida Josephine McDonald in 1906, um, but quickly adopted the stage name of Josephine um, and took one of her husband's name, Baker. So we're talking Josephine Baker. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. yeah. So she was a French dancer, singer, and actress. Um, her career was mostly in Europe, especially in France. And she was the first Black woman to star in a major motion picture. Uh, This was in 1927 in the film Siren of the Tropics. And she was noted by one paper to be the richest Black woman in the world. Cool. Yeah. So she was like, if you think of the jazz age of the Roaring Twenties, Josephine Baker. Like she Mm -hmm. was the symbol of it. Um, She had one really famous outfit that was actually recreated by Beyonce for a charity thing, which is apt because one writer kind of, to put it in perspective, called her the Beyonce of her time. And so it was basically a very, like a mini skirt made of fake bananas and a beaded necklace. And that's it. Nice. Uh, Beyonce added a beaded top, you know, (laughs) modern, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Know your audience, I guess. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, so that like, if you look at pictures of her, quite a few of them are of that outfit because it was like, so not just scandalous, but it also like kind of played with like race and gender and stuff and Mm -hmm. um, kind of manipulated the minds of white men Mm -hmm. to give her lots and lots of money. (laughs) 
So by the end of her life, she had officially had four husbands, but in reality had had seven uh, because she would often get remarried before divorcing the previous one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also had numerous lovers, both men and women. Uh, and one of her former husbands referred to her as bisexual. Um, and some very famous women, such as blues singers, Clara Smith, Ada Bricktop Smith, French novelist Colette, and possibly Frida Kahlo. Uh, so basically after her shows, she would like single out someone who had caught her eye while she was like up on stage and like take them to a nearby hotel and like not even sneakily did not care who saw like man or woman whatever Mm -hmm. she's like let's go have sex at this hotel because you're hot (laughs) sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do yeah so um she was extremely eccentric especially Mm. when she like during the height of her fame which i think like not everything she did was great, but I think our billionaires need to kind of get on like these old school rich people's level with like extra interest. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care if you have a rocket ship. She had um, a carriage pulled by an ostrich that would take her around Amazing. when she was on tour. <laughs> I have never actually needed anything more in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So she once crashed. Wow. She once crashed her brand new car uh, and got out to oh, sign. Not- I- no, not the ostrich. I'm so disappointed she didn't crash to the ostrich, but anyway, she crashed her car and then got out to sign autographs and then just like went home and left somebody else to deal with the wreckage. Um, She had several exotic animals whom she frequently dressed in human clothes. Not great. Um, And she would regularly visit the poor of Paris and shower them with expensive gifts. Nice. So super eccentric, really like frivolous life. And then uh, the second world war happened. And she was this very, very famous woman with lots of connections who could easily cross borders without being, you know, scrutinized. So she like, started like borders like Canada to the US or like well, like in Europe. Oh, okay. But yeah. Okay. So she started working for the French resistance and carrying secrets for them. Oh, fancy. Yeah. So she, sometimes it was just written on her hand. Sometimes it was like invisible ink written in like the margins of her sheet music, like very, very cool. Um, she actually, yeah. So she did this throughout the war and yeah, worked. She was a spy. That's so like, cool. How cool is that? That's so cool. Um, because even though she wasn't born in France, she very much considered it her home, her country. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah, it was very like, absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the war, she became involved in civil rights because she saw kind of a more serious side of the world and was like, okay, we're going to get serious. Yeah. Uh, Fair. <laughs> so, um, especially in her home country, right. She gave talks across the American South and refused to perform in front of segregated audience audiences. Um, and she was even offered $10,000 like in that times money, which I don't even know what the inflation would be, but that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money now Yeah, <laughs> by a club in Miami to, yeah, to basically go against that and perform in front of a segregated audience. Mm-hmm. She said no. After this, she started getting threatening phone calls from people claiming to be the KKK. Oh, geez. And throughout this time, she developed a 1000 page FBI file. God. So the FBI had a massive file on her. Um, and it just goes from there. So in 1951, she uh, charged a club with racism 
um, where she had been refused service. Luckily for her, actress Grace Kelly uh, was there at the time, rushed over to her, uh, took her by the arm and stormed out of the party. Uh, and they became really good friends, which was lucky for Baker because Grace Kelly, as some of us know, later became Princess Grace of Monaco. She married the king there. And she later financially assisted Baker, um, who later in her life was near bankruptcy. So with her civil rights stuff, she even spoke at the March on Washington in 1963 along Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. Jr. This was Mm -hmm. the I Have a Dream speech day. Uh, And she was the only woman to give a speech that day. Yeah. And then supposedly after King's assassination, his widow, Credit Scott King, actually approached Baker and asked her to kind of take his place as the new, like, you know, face of the American civil rights movement. Um, she thought it over and then eventually declined saying her mm-hmm. children were too young to lose their mother. So on to her children, which is not great. Interesting. <laughs> so she was unable to have kids and had actually gotten uh, an emergency hysterectomy. So she began adopting kids. She ended up adopting 12, uh, two girls and 10 boys, all from different ethnicities and religions that she called her rainbow tribe. And it was kind of to show that humanity could live together despite all of our differences and kind of, you know, come together and unite. Interesting. Yeah. I see your face being like, where is this going? So one of her children later said that his mother wanted a doll and treated the children as such, um, even turning their estate into a theme park um, where the children were one of the attractions. So people could like pay to like watch all these kids of like different ethnicities and religions play together. Um, and she was eventually evicted from that estate because of the aforementioned money troubles. This is kind of like a, it's a small world after all. For real. Like it was actually like an amuse, like a theme park kind of thing. Like not obviously roller coasters and stuff, but like there were animals and like the kids and like all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, so she had all these money troubles. So in her later years, she staged a series of comeback shows that were super, super popular. Um, so she was in her sixties at this point, but still wore fishnets and revealing clothes and was like still super audacious with her dance moves, even though she was older and really prone to being injured. And her final show, one of her final shows was so popular that fold out chairs had to be added. Um, and this was to accommodate some really famous people like Mick Jagger, Sophia Loren, Diana Ross, and Liza Minnelli. Wow. Yeah. So four days after that performance, she was found um, lying in her bed, apparently surrounded by newspapers with glowing reviews of her performance um, and had suffered a brain hemorrhage. Interesting. Yeah. So she died at age 68 in 1975 and her funeral had about 20,000 mourners. God. I know. And she received full French military honors, which is basically unheard of for an American. Jeez. Yeah. So she like, she's received all these honors, both in the U S for her civil rights work and in France for her work during the war. And like, just leaves this huge, huge legacy. Wow. Yeah. That's so wild. I know. From showgirl to spy. Well, and like from poor, like, I think she was in like, she grew up in like Missouri or something or like, so like very, very poor. She was kind of an outcast because she was quite light skinned compared to her siblings. Um, Mm. She didn't know who her dad was, but it's thought that he might have been white. Um, Mm. 
so yeah, as someone who's like half white, that's a lot of you're ostracized from both communities. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going from really poor, like married at 13 years old, which was later a no because it was illegal because he was like 25. And apparently she like threw a beer bottle at him once. Nice. She's like, yeah, fair. If you were both adults, totally I'd be like, that's abuse. Um, but you marry a 13 year old. That's you get what you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve oh, wow. everything coming to you. Um, totally. But yeah, so that's Josephine Baker. So she was like a bisexual powerhouse. Yes. Did some <laughs> cool things, some really awesome things, some kind of things that I'm like, mm. but yeah. Unsure about that for you. But well, like the exotic animals and the way she treated her children. Yeah, totally. But yeah. yeah. Cool. I know, right? Oh, you know. There's queer people all throughout history. Well, and that's the thing, right? And then it also is like the intersection of sexuality and race for like both these people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have always existed all over the world. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And like, yeah, I find it interesting that we picked two people from like the same time. Yeah. It was so it was such a cool time, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially in like the roaring 20s. Yeah. And like, so the end of the 1800s and the early 1900s are considered in the US, they're called the Gilded Age. In Europe, they're the Belle Epoque. And it's basically like rich people had it great. Even middle-class people Mm -hmm. had it pretty good. Like Mm -hmm. fashion, art, like all these things were really popping off. And like, that's where you get like, in the US, you get the Biltmores and the Vanderbilts and like all those like super rich people and they're crazy like, Edwardian mansions like the great Gatsby yeah yeah so that comes right after it like leads off of that into the roaring 20s and then you know that doesn't end well with the depression but I mean fair yeah oh that's so cool Mm -hmm. yeah so there's some cool two cool women for you women I love women I know I love right right it's just like they're so powerful oh I love learning about people from history I know right but I wish we had like see this is why we got to talk about these things because we should have like staggered our times Mm. you know what I mean like because it's like those are two really cool people from history but our maybe we'll do it again maybe we'll do it again and end up doing the same the same time for both of us but like a different period Mm, that would be cool I liked it I think we should do this again sometime but yes totally if anybody has any like recommendations for people we should talk about that would be Mm, you know yes like listener requests if you're like oh I want to learn about like Sylvia Rivera which is like a cool person to talk about or like Marsha B. Johnson which like you can you can learn lots about these people Mm mm-hmm yeah, there's been a lot of cool queer people throughout history. So all the way back to BC. Yeah. All the way Egypt and Greece and Rome. And totally. All the other places that I know less about, all the indigenous nations, like mm-hmm. having their versions of like two spirit and yeah. Totally. And that was like long before BC was even known. 
Yeah, well, they didn't call it BC at the time. I know. <laughs> but like, they're like, oh, we've just been counting down for a while to this cross guy. It's 1 BC. It should be coming anytime. I can't wait to see what this is all about. Well, yeah. And <laughs> I would imagine that's one of those things that if you don't, if you're not like Christian, that's not something you would like. Do you believe in BC? So there's a couple of the ones. So there's like Common Era. Um, mm-hmm. But it starts pretty much the same time. And then there's one that's used in archaeology for like carbon dating. Mm. And that's like before present, but present is like 1950 or something. Well, um, but yeah, so there's a couple different ones. BC just said like this whole before Christ just sounds very like white. Of us. Then, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I know that Jesus was a strong black woman, but it just sounds, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. it's, it, it's a, I, you question which of these things are like colonial a lot of and it. which aren't. I know, which is why I'm like, yeah. is this like, is the, even the concept of BC? Well, because the old archaeologists, right, were these like European white guys. True. Who went and raided tombs and stole shit. Which is just so rude, but that's a whole different I know. conversation. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Anyway, queer joy. Yeah. You got queer joy? I sure do. You do? What do you, what do you got? Um, well, my queer joy is not that I'm in the office today. I was not supposed to be recording from here today because I was supposed to be recording from home because I have to go run an errand after this, but I forgot my wallet here. Mm. So here I am. Um, did find my wallet. Very grateful for that. But my queer joy is trans trans where does that even that's not the word gender affirming gear because that's what I have to go run an errand for I have to go nice. a binder. nice and yeah I was doing some numbers and this will be like the fifth one that we've given out which is a pretty big deal for our tiny tiny city of St. Albert mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that pretty soon we're gonna have to start like a fund you know yeah like, start getting donations from people that want to give like donate directly to gender affirming gear for mm-hmm. the youth that we serve here at out loud um because it's obviously expensive we have an absolutely freaking amazing store that we work with plugged to the quilt bag i'm pretty sure we've plugged them 150 times but i'm plugging them again um and that's where i'm going today and they help us out a lot but it's just like yeah it's really i really love i love shopping for it i love having an excuse to go to that store mm-hmm. I love going and buying the actual right ones. Yeah. Which like, maybe that's something that we can just do a little aside for, because this is something that I don't think I knew. Um, Like I assumed, but I didn't know a hundred percent. So we have a, a youth that has a binder from Amazon and has recently learned that we need to replace it. So that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to buy mm-hmm. a binder that's not from Amazon. So um, just for anybody that's listening, um, this binder has like what I would consider like bra clasps okay. on the side that are like adjustable. Do you have any idea why that would be considered an unsafe binder? The binders that we use are like full compression you they're like I mean? if like you picture like a one sports piece, they bra. don't adjust yeah yeah 
but like with like bigger, like more fabric, like they go like higher and like, yeah, yeah, they're just built differently. But what, do you have any reason, do you know why like an Amazon binder could be something that like could be unsafe? I mean, we probably one of the things don't we have to research about, but people like adjusting them super tight or maybe the metal digging in I don't know because it's a compression garment maybe anyways so yeah I'm gonna go we're going I'm going downtown so I can replace this it's not downtown but I'm going down to this store to replace this binder for this youth because we recently learned that Amazon is not the place to buy your binders so if you are buying binders on Amazon please talk to somebody that knows about binders and make sure you're getting the right one because I'm sure they do have some of the right ones mm-hmm. but there are some that are not okay apparently and I didn't know that because but I guess it would make sense because binders can be used for several different things mm-hmm. right yeah. and like a lot of them are used for like people that have like mastectomies or like people who have like breast surgery yeah chest surgery and then and they're binding for a short amount of time mm-hmm like for like a healing process, I would yeah. imagine that would make things extremely different. So just, yeah, gender affirming gear is my queer joy, but please just make sure you're doing it safely. That's actually probably very- why it has the class is for people healing from surgery, right? So you don't have to shimmy like a whole thing. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Probably. I wouldn't have even thought of that, but yeah, that would make sense. Interesting. This is all wild speculation, but yeah, also, but <laughs> Bind safely. Yes. That's all we're trying to say. Yes. Bind safely. I know it's hot, but please don't use ace bandages or like random tape that you find. Yeah. Please use things there that are made for binding. Yeah. There is something called trans tape. It's not ideal, but it's better than yeah. friggin' duct tape. <laughs> like, yeah. Please don't use I don't know if people use duct tape. No, they do. Don't. And yeah, it doesn't breathe and it can rip your skin and cause rashes and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Only use stuff that's made for your body because adhesive mm-hmm. is cruel for your skin. Yeah. Adhesive is not good. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways. Yeah. What's your core joy? So my core joy is I had a family barbecue on the weekend with some family that I don't get to see very often, cool. um, including my cousin and her baby who came up from Ontario. And apparently she listens to the podcast. So hello, Lisa. Shout out to Lisa. Um, Shout out to your baby. Never met them, but I bet they're yeah. Great. Well, if Clark, he's massive, massive. Um, but I was trying to teach him like devil horns. Nice. Um, so if Clarky, um, starts doing those, you know, who to blame. Yeah. <laughs> also, I just wanted to shout out this book. It's called rejected princesses by Jason Beautiful. and it's like historical women. Um, and it's got like, yeah, so this is the Josephine Baker one. Oh, and then it's got like illustrations, wow. and, like sources and stuff. So I got some of my info from there. Cool. And it's got lots of cool women. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Um, thank you everybody for joining us to learn a little bit of history. Um, remember if you want to watch the videos, we have a YouTube channel, just queer halftime. Uh, you can always send us suggestions for things or questions you want to hear talked about, um, in our DMS on Instagram. Uh, and otherwise just be kind to yourself and others, and we will see you next week. Bye.